Our passage for today is a very standard passage. We're looking at Luke chapter 2, verse 7 through 20. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And at the same re- in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angel went away from them to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it, has been told, as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray for us. We just ask that this traditional passage uh, speak to us in new ways today. God, challenge us with your word. May we never forget that that's what all of this is about. That this season is about remembering um, the greatest gift to us, uh, which is you. Come to us. Lord, may you be praised um, just in, in our words, in our thoughts. And may we grow Uh, to be more like you through this. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today is Christmas Eve, so in a very unapologetic way, we picked a very traditional passage. And we're in the middle of a series of sermons uh, that's focusing on four figures in the Christmas story. There are more, by the way. Uh, But four figures in the Christmas story, their responses to Christmas, responses to the baby Jesus coming. As I mentioned last week, much of the initial inspiration of this, just to give credit where credit is due, uh, and much of the organizational thought behind some of these pieces uh, comes from a book called Hidden Christmas, The Surprising Truth Behind the Birth of Christ by Timothy Keller. It's a a quick read and got me thinking about some of the, um, thinking more deeply about some of these figures in our Christmas story and how they react, and, and then it causes us to ask that question, how will we react to this amazing message. Today we're going to talk, uh, kids, today we're going to talk about a birthday party. I mean, very literally, but a birthday party. In fact, you might suggest that it's the birthday party of all time in an incredibly literal way. So my question, kids, today is, who do you invite to your birthday party? The, you tend to invite people who care about you, right? Your cousins are family. They care about you. You care about them. You also tend to invite people you expect might come, right? Do you go out and invite a bunch of people that you think will not come? Probably not. Probably not, unless you want to try to guilt them into a present or something. Uh, you invite those who, who care about you, who, um, who are going to come. But you also, have you ever wanted to invite people who might bring a good gift? 
Maybe you know they can bring a good gift. I don't know. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but you might want to invite people who could bring good gifts. I mean, that's just a thought. Today we're going to talk about who God invites to the birth of Jesus, to a birthday party, and he chose shepherds. They're not kings, so they're not impressive. They're not wealthy, so they can't bring big gifts. They're not religious leaders, so they don't know all the prophecies and things behind, though they may know some. But God chose to send angels directly to shepherds to announce Jesus' birth. They're the first ones to see Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Like the angels, we're told um, to go out and invite, like, like the angels did, we are also to go out and invite others to Jesus. Maybe they won't physically see a baby on that first Christmas night, but they will hear the declaration that's come from our lips of who Jesus is and that he has come. Hopefully we tell them why he has come. God might use that to introduce them to himself. Like the shepherds, they will maybe join us in amazement and celebration at what God has done coming to this world, coming to us And what he's doing in changing us to be more like him. So, thinking about a birthday party, we're going to look at this passage. And it's actually broken up into three parts. I intentionally chose the verses I did. Um, But we begin with verse 7. But we're kind of breaking this up. So the first part um, is really the birth. I also, um, you guys get sick of my artwork. The tree, I'll just claim as well. But this is, I had the children kind of help me out here. Uh, there's, there's an angel, there's some angels up here, there's some stars in the sky. We do have some shepherds and some sheep, maybe a goat, I'm not sure. And, uh, and we have a baby Jesus in the manger. So, these are, these are our story. Begins with verse 7. If you noticed, uh, last week we talked about Mary. If you remember, we talked about Mary and the transition that she made from disbelief and what the angel told her because she knew about Christmas and Jesus is coming before Jesus came, before she was pregnant. She knew about Jesus coming, and so she had a chance to respond to it before it happened in a way. But for her, it was all part of this same thing. But she moved from stages, in stages from disbelief to just acceptance of what God was doing to obedience. And that obedience, and the obedience of Joseph as well, has led to a particular night in a faraway town of Bethlehem, in a strange place for them, in a stable for animals. Because there's nowhere else to stay. The baby is here. Christmas has come. Uh, Their obedience has led to this night. The first night of the king on earth, which is down here. There is something to be said about the humility of God in this moment, I'm just awed, um, just thinking about God coming to this earth. The incarnation, we call it. God taking on human existence. Philippians 2.6 captures it this way. It says, Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or held on to, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. God humbled himself to become, or in becoming human on this night that we're celebrating with Christmas. It's an amazing miracle. And I don't know if you've ever dwelt on this idea, but think about it. That take time one day, maybe during this period, to reflect on what it means. Why would God come? 
There's so many ways that we can answer what Jesus accomplishes in coming. He shows God's love. He gives us an example. He lives in our place uh, to take uh, before God's wrath. He shows us that God doesn't fear the mess that we've made of this world. He still loves us in the mess. And He comes to us. There's more. But just dwell on that at some point during this, this season. Just think about what it means that Christ has come. This is Christmas. This is the miraculous peace. It just makes us stand in awe. But then we have movement number two, or kind of phase number two of our story, really from verse 8 through 14, with heaven's party. We kind of have heaven's party. Have you ever considered the picture? The kingdom of heaven sends a messenger to announce the royal birth of the king and send that, uh, the king on earth. So picture it again. I'm going to read it very quickly, um, but I'm going to read it again. Just picture what it would be like on that night. In the same region, there were shepherds in the field keeping watch of their flock by night. An angel Lord appears to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. So angels and glory. They were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, which is good. If you're filled with fear, an angel telling you fear not, it's a good thing. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Everyone, this is a message for all. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, who, uh, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign, a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly there was an angel, with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, not one, but a multitude. By the way, I'm not sure that's a precise number. A lot of angels show up, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Luke begins this whole picture story by telling us the audience, the shepherds. Scholars and commentaries that I looked at are inconsistent about the acceptance or the revulsion of people to shepherds. Are they ones that people look to uh, or are they like negative? Some suggest that they were not seen favorably because they were often ceremonially unclean. Others talk about how they were shunned as needed. They needed them. You need shepherds if you have sheep, but they're not really a welcome class of people. But then there are others who will note that David started off as a shepherd and is seen as a great leader. They reference how God talks about himself, even in the Old Testament, as a shepherding his people. Jesus even later uses the concept of a good shepherd. This concept um, is used to explain his relationship to his people. It could, could be seen as either Jesus' positive view of that occupation, or it could be appealing to lower classes, which he naturally did often. Regardless of what is true about these details, shepherds were not the highest class of citizens. They were not wealthy. They were hired at low wages, like, um, while others, like David, actually were just the youngest or the least significant of the family, were expected to go take care of uh, these sheep or the livestock and serve the family in this way. Regardless of why they had the occupation, we do know these were not powerful individuals. They were not popular with the society. They were not socially influential, nor were they economically significant. But they are the audience that God chooses to send his angels to on this night. Not the special elites, nor the cultural influencers, but the lowly 
regular, hardworking shepherds. That's who God chooses. That's the audience. These shepherds see an angel, and then they see lots of angels. But notice the stage. It takes the entire night sky to stage this announcement. I don't know. I don't think about it much, but like here I am on a stage, and when you have a play or something, like there's all sorts of thinking through that. I don't know if it was that organized. I don't know how that works, but just think of the production. The angels tell the shepherds, fear not. Why? Because this was a big thing, something no one had ever seen. It's traditional for the angels to say, fear not. They seem to do that. Angel talk seems to start off that way, unless they're against you. I've never seen an angel, but apparently they are pretty frightening and powerful. The angel appears with the glory of God around him, the first angel. And the glory is surrounding everything. There's all sorts of stuff going on. For anyone hearing the Christmas story, this is the third angel appearance in a very short period of time in just Luke's gospel. If we allow the appearance to Joseph, we're talking about four visits of angels within a very short span of time after a long period of silence. No one can deny that there's something really spectacular happening at this point. And then we get the message. Let's look at the message of the angel. Um, he, was, he was declaring a message that he describes as good news that will be great joy for all the people. So what's, what's the message? He tells them it's going to be good. I'm like, I don't know if you've ever had somebody say that, like, hey, I've got something to tell you. It's going to be great. And then they tell you, and you're like, eh, I don't know about that. But this angel says, hey, this is going to be great, and it is. So what's the message? It says, for unto you is born this day. So there's no longer any waiting. There's no longer any pause. There's no longer a wonder of when this can happen this day. In the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Notice those words. This one is born, uh, the one that's born is in the city of David in Bethlehem. And it's thus um, the legitimate or a legitimate heir to King David. Partly because the census is going on. Everybody knows that that's where descendants that would be um, heirs or potential heirs would come from. When we see and read about the wise men later, um, and we, we can see they just like, okay, this is where they would come from, from the city of David. That's where the descendants come from. That's where this one is born. But the one who is born is also, the angel says, a savior. And that's a huge thing. The oppressed and controlled Jewish people are held down by the Roman rule and, and control. God's people have cried out for a savior. They're crying for a savior to come and change things. And the angel declares there is a savior born. This one who is born says is the Christ. Not only is this a savior, a generic uh, somebody to come and save them, but this, is, this baby is the Savior that has come. This is the Christ, the one that God was speaking about throughout the Old Testament. The prophecies have promised the Messiah. By the way, um, the Greek version Christ is equivalent to Messiah in the Old Testament. And so this Messiah had come. It's that one, the one God's been talking about. It's a big deal. Last one that is born, or the, this one also that is born, it's, the angel says, is the Lord. The concept of Lord here focuses on maybe the baby's royalty at the least. But the Lord is a common expression for God. I think that that's the point here. This one who has come is the Lord. In an interesting side note, the angels tell a message about a message, actually, from God. Because Jesus is 
the message from God. He is the message from God to us. He is our communication from God. He is God's expression of love. How does he express it? Himself. God expresses his love, his message to us, what he's doing to us in himself, coming to us. Verse 12, the angels tell the shepherds uh, how to know that this whole thing is true. They describe a crazy scene. There's a baby wrapped up and placed in a manger where the animals would be fed. Think about how ridiculous that is. Sometimes I lose sight of how strange this is. If someone came and told you um, that you would know that you're in the right place when you find a place, you go into a house, and you see a baby in a dog bowl, maybe a big dog bowl, what would you think? When you see such a thing, would you wonder, did we get the right house? Is this the right baby in a dog bowl? No, absolutely not. In Bethlehem that night, there were no other babies lying in mangers randomly around. The shepherds didn't have to check and see if they were in the right place. When they later saw Jesus, they knew that this was the baby they were seeking. Because this is strange and unusual. Verse 13, one angel is joined by a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God. Their message is specific. They say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. What does that mean? First, praising God is expected because, uh, because God is doing all of this stuff. So that makes sense. Then there's this declaration of peace, and that's good. But who's the peace for? And this is the question that we get to wrestle with. Who are those with whom he is pleased? If you read the King James Version, or you have one of those in front of you, it actually says, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. This promise sounds in King James a lot like this is for all men. But later translations look more like what we read. The Holman Christian says, to people he favors. The NIV says, those on whom his favor rests. The majority of other translations closer to what we looked at. Among those with whom he is well pleased. So which is it? Because the difference is not trivial. It's true that God has created a means of peace with this world. In fact, God loves this world that he has created, but it has been ruined and abused by sin. But even still, it's not abandoned by God. In Genesis, we read about the fall of the world into sin. But at the other end of the Bible, we read about how God is reclaiming this world. We can read in Revelation 21 that God means to remake this whole world in the new heavens and the new earth. God's peace will rest over this whole world one day, once it's been fully reclaimed and redeemed. But what is God's plan for all of that? What is the major means of reclaiming and redeeming this world? It's Jesus. Jesus coming to this earth. And that coming changes everything forever. And that's the message of Christmas. Last several months of 2023, we've walked through the book of Ephesians together message of that book is the same message as this. God is uniting the world and all things in Jesus. Jesus, this baby, is God. And as God, he is merciful and righteous and gracious and loving and kind. But as God, he is also holy and just and powerful and zealous for the honor that he deserves. 
The baby highlights only part of Jesus' identity. So to clarify, we are the ones on whom his favor rests if we accept his extension or offer of peace. Jesus is God's gift to us. Jesus is God's giving himself to us. In the language of Ephesians, Jesus is how God unites us with himself. God gives us himself in Jesus. The baby of Christmas grew up. He lived perfectly in alignment with all of God's ways and design. And then he sacrificed his life so that he could bring us into an eternal relationship with him. Following that, through this peace with God, we are free to be at peace with others. That was in Ephesians 2, if you didn't know. We, we talked about how Jesus unites us not just with God, but with each other in the church. Sharing this extension of peace is also our mission. In a sense, we don't have to worry about what others think. Once we have accepted this peace with God, we are free to share and extend this peace to all others. We're to become messengers like the angels that we see here. We're to continue to declare this amazing reality to everyone who will listen to us. But that's getting ahead of ourselves. We'll actually talk about that in a moment. Let's turn back to what the shepherds did with the message that they were given by these angels. They reacted to the message of Christmas. And this is where we're actually going to settle in and kind of find our applications for today, really with movement three. So we had the birth, we had heaven's party, and now we have earth's party. So we've really moved from the birth happened to heaven's party, and I guess this is our portrayal. Is there a bunny rabbit on there? There might be a bunny. I'm not sure. Maybe it's just a fuzzy sheep with big ears. Like the shepherds, you and I should react, must react. And, and I think they're, they're informative to us in several ways, at least three this morning. Like the shepherds, you and I must hear God's message and respond. The shepherds, like Mary, were given an angelic message. They respond. They listened well. Um, they overcame their fears. They went out into the world carrying the joyful news to others. How they responded reminds us of how we ought to respond too. The first thing the shepherds did uh, was to go and see how true the message was. God used many different means to get his message, uses many means to get his message out. Our responsibility, like the shepherds, is to listen expectantly because we, we know that God speaks. And then we must check what we hear to know it's truth, knowing that God is consistent. So how do we do that? How do we check the message? We compare it to God's word. We compare what we learn with what God has already established as truth. Let's contrast what the shepherds did when hearing God's message from the angels with what other people did when they heard the message from the shepherds. Remember, the shepherds left their sheep to verify the message, and then they went and told others. And everyone who heard, it says, wondered. Verse 18, we read about those who wonder. That wonder could be that some just went on with their lives and thought, that was weird. Could be that some of them um, thought that this was just a strange story that they could keep telling. Like, yeah, okay. But others may have believed. Maybe they started to respond and things like that. But we don't know from the word wonder. So what's the lesson from the detail? We must focus on the message of God and not the messengers. 
must seek to hear God speak. We should be aware that we can become distracted by the quality of the messengers and miss the message. Could be the difference in response uh, is that the, the shepherds were the ones sharing out later and the angels were the ones, if an angel comes to you, are you going to respond? Yes. You're going to see that message as pretty important. But the townspeople heard mere shepherds telling the same thing, announcing the birth of this Christ. It's the same message. Timothy Keller, in that book I mentioned earlier, points out that it is extraordinarily easy to not really hear the Word of God because it comes to us through non-spectacular means sometimes. If we must be impressed by the speaker to hear the message, we may not get much out of church some days. Someday, let's hope that's not today, you might be listening to somebody um, talk about God's Word and not really connect with their style or their voice, and that doesn't limit God's message from reaching you. Personally, I've had the privilege of being in many churches and services in several different languages, and if you are there to hear from the pastor and be impressed and wowed, you often are not. Translating, if you're translating um, and doing this, is exhausting work and it's hard to do. But the effort can be worth it if you want and if you expect to hear from God. No matter who's speaking, if God, if you are looking to hear from God, He can speak. So, regardless of a preacher's style or voice, so long as they're faithfully relaying God's message and you are seeking to hear God's voice, He will speak through his messenger. So listen for God. If you've never heard it before, hear the message of Christmas. But the next thing the shepherds encourage us to do, I told you there were three. The second thing is, like the shepherds, you must tell others what truth you know. If you know something good, you want to share it. You want to tell people about it. Not only is this um, the natural action of accepting God's message as the shepherds show us, but Jesus sends out his followers to do exactly the same thing. In Acts 1.8, Jesus sends out his followers telling them that they will be witnesses. So what does a witness do? They tell what they know. This is exactly what the shepherds did. They told what they knew. I'm not sure the shepherds could have understood everything that was happening that night or all the prophecies that were being fulfilled They didn't have the whole message potentially, but they could share what they knew. And they shared it faithfully. They were so taken with the message, they shared it with everyone they came to. That's what we are called to do. If we have truly truly experienced the peace that God extends to us in Jesus, we should be sharing that with others. So how are you doing that? How are you sharing the message of Jesus, the message of the gospel, the message even just of Christmas with people. The final thing the shepherds teach us is that like the shepherds, you must dwell on God's goodness. The shepherds were plain people. We mentioned earlier they were not popular nor famous. They were not special. were not super deserving, probably. They were often ceremonially, even religiously unclean in the Jewish system. But God came to them. Has God's truth come to you? Today you've heard the Christmas message. God came. He came to you and He came for you. Jesus lived on earth and died in your place for your sin. And He challenges you to trust in this. See, I 
believe in Christmas. I believe in Jesus. I hope that you do too. And that belief, if it's true, will change us. God has been good to you. He has brought you his message. What will you do with it? Will you be like the townspeople that that maybe hear the message and think, well, that was interesting, and walk away? Or be like more like maybe Mary who treasures what happened in her heart? Then will you be like the shepherds who are so taken with this reality that they can't help but tell other people? You see our illustration here, the shepherds are in the, man, or in the stable in the manger, but they didn't stay there. I mean, they also had responsibilities. They had to go back to work. But as they were doing everything they did, they told people what they had been told. They told people what they had seen. That a Savior had come. That He was Christ. That He was the Lord. Let me leave us with just a few comments on what we can do in response to all of this. One, we, if we've never, we can commit to follow Jesus with our lives. Have you done that? If you've never told anybody of that commitment about following Jesus, there's no better day than today. Talk with me after the service. Talk with someone. I'd love to have that conversation. It's even Christmas Eve. Welcome the baby Jesus into your life. Second, we can commit to tell others about Jesus. I've said that several times. This is Christmas. This is the time of year when our culture is willing to talk about Jesus, at least in different ways. Jesus as the baby. Take advantage of that. Talk about how that baby changes our lives. How that baby is the message of God. How that baby is God come to us. Emmanuel. We can commit to follow God wherever he leads. We can go across the street to visit a neighbor. This is an obvious possible uh, possibility to just go and, and be friendly. Say, it's Christmas. You might just show up on February, I'm picking a random day, February 2nd for no reason, like, and that would be strange, but it's Christmas time. It's not strange now. Go and meet people. Ask them if they know the reason for this season. Tell them about Jesus. We can go to another town and share with people who've never heard the truth of Christmas. This is our Lottie Moon Christmas offering time where we think about going to the world. Could be that following God will mean that you or maybe your children, or maybe your grandchildren will one day be challenged to take the message of Jesus somewhere else, across the world, to people who've never heard such a thing. We can be faithful to follow wherever God leads. Finally, in this holiday season, it's really easy to get caught up in the busyness of our schedule. Might get some extra time off work, but we seem to fill every bit of that special time with activity. We have parties, we visit friends, shop to, to buy so many different things. With all of our time off, we actually find ourselves more busy, it seems. I talked to a teacher this week that said she was going to get two days out of two plus weeks of vacation time, like Christmas break. Two days that she would, didn't have a plan or a specific all these details. And that included the weekends. I'm not saying busy is wrong. But I do suggest that you and I must not let our activity distract us from what God has done, from Jesus. We can commit in this time to take this holiday season and just find moments to stop. Remember that Jesus, the message here, Jesus brings peace. And it's the best 
peace. It's peace with God and His people. It's the message of the angels. Take time this season to think on, be grateful for the gift that's been given to us. Let the peace of God comfort you and change you this Christmas season. Let me close us in prayer. Jesus, thank you that all of these years later, we can hear the message of the angels. We know of your birth in this world and we further know that you have come, what you've come to do and how that changes us as we acknowledge you as our Savior, our Christ, and our Lord. God, give us opportunities to introduce other people to you, to your message, that we would be able to add to the multitude that will praise your name for all eternity. God, thank you that we can be a part of that crowd and praise you. We pray this in Jesus' name.